What is going on, everybody? It is February 6, 2022. I am your host, David Pastor, and you are listening to the first ever episode of Off the Bench. This is a weekly podcast that I'll be doing where I look to update and inform you all on ongoing events and news. I'll be covering everything NHL, NBA, NFL, MLB, CFL, MLS, Champions League, PGA, ATP, and so, so much more. On this week's episode, we are going to talk about Super Bowl 56, Bengals versus Rams. We're going to talk a bit about the controversy that's going on in the NFL. We'll touch upon NBA, NHL, All-Stars, Australian Open, and the Olympics right after this. Super Bowl, baby. It's coming. Super Bowl is coming. Last Sunday... AFC Championship, NFC Championship games were held. The Los Angeles Rams faced off against the 49ers for the championship, NFC Championship. And the underdog Cincinnati Bengals went up against the back-to-back AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs. The Rams, they had the opportunity to eliminate the 49ers from the playoffs back in Week 18. They ended up losing that game in overtime, 27-24. to 24. But this time around, they knew what their goal was, and they were not going to fall short of it. Less than two minutes left in the game, Matt Gay, he kicked a field goal to give L.A. a 20-17 to 17 lead. And on the final drive, Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year, in my opinion, forced and pressured Jimmy Garoppolo into throwing A game-clinching interception, sending L.A. to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2018 when they lost to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. As for the Bengals, they were down 11 at halftime, but those two boys from LSU, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, they stole the show in the second half. Joey B., he's had two incredible games in the last three weeks of the regular season, and he carried that momentum into the playoffs. He is currently 3-0. and He has thrown for over 800 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. As for Chase, he had a pretty quiet game against the Chiefs. Their secondary just was on him the entire game. He wasn't able to get open for much. He had six receptions, 54 yards. He did, however, catch his first postseason touchdown last week that led to the Bengals tying the game and forcing overtime when Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker, hit a 31-yard field goal to dethrone the Chiefs 27-24 and become the new champions of the AFC. This is the first time since 1998, excuse me, 1988, that the Bengals have been to the Super Bowl. I am so excited. The stage is finally set. Super Bowl 56, Rams, Bengals, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Next Sunday, 6.30 Eastern time. There we have it. I think this is going to be a great game. It's going to be low scoring. Both of these teams have elite offenses. We know this. Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow, both former first overall picks in the NFL draft. The Rams, they have Cooper Cup, who in my opinion is the MVP of this season. He won the Triple Crown, led the league in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. They also signed OBJ halfway through the season after he was released by Cleveland. He has been 
incredible for the Rams since then. The Bengals, I already touched upon Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, who was my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year. 17 games, he had 81 receptions, over 1,400 yards, and 13 touchdowns. I think it's it's going to be a game that comes down to whoever has the better defense. And I just I think L.A. has that. And on top of home field advantage, I'd, I just think it's an easy win for L.A. Like, since he, they have Hendrickson, who's a pro bowler this year, he set new career highs and assisted tackles, sacks, and forced fumbles. And they have, like, Eli Apple and Vaughn Miller, Jesse Bates. But, like, L.A. L.A. They got defensive player Aaron Darnold. They have Super Bowl MVP from 2015, Vaughn Miller, who they acquired halfway through the season from Denver. He has been fantastic for them. They have Jalen Ramsey, who's a pro bowler this year, plus the home field advantage, which I think is going to play a huge factor. Rams have this. Rams are going to go in there. The place is going to be rocking. Everybody's going to be screaming. All the celebrities are going to be in attendance. Everybody's going to be watching this game. Rams are going to go in there, and they are just going to eat. They are going to eat. That defense is going to destroy the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. If I'm the Bengals, I'm preparing Joey B to get hit, and he's going to get hit a lot. I think LA is going to come away with it. They're going to win the Lombardi Trophy in Super Bowl 56. And in other news, no more Washington football team. They will no longer be known as what they are, a football team. Now the Washington football team is known as the Washington Commanders, or as the internet is referring to it, or referring to them as the Commies. So on Wednesday, Washington... They announced that they will no longer be known as the Washington football team. They have changed their name to the Washington Commanders. This is after they spent 87 years as the Redskins and two years as the football team. Love it. So class. Just classic name. Like the time and effort that they spent on that name must have been. 30 seconds max they're just like hey let's call ourselves a football team no anyways the commanders they chose their name um because they wanted to have some sort of military connection to it uh since the team is located in the nation's capital the whole redskins issue and having the public giving a lot of criticism to the washington organization has been ongoing for years and years and years and years decades and decades and decades pretty much since the 60s uh native american groups have been criticizing washington for using the name and image of a redskin for their team and uh, it was only until the 90s really that the issue got the public's attention and it still went on for like another 30 years after that before washington was finally like all right we'll change our name and then they decided to remove the team name in 2020 recently the former known cleveland indians of the mlb changed their name as well to the guardians because of similar criticisms related to their name and logo how it affected the native community um, they weren't happy with it. Obviously, there was this huge 
we're not your mascot saying that went on for quite some time in the native groups. The only difference between the two teams is that the Guardians didn't become a joke of the franchise. Uh, like the internet had a field day with the Washington Commanders. All different kinds of names, all different kinds of jokes. The most common is just the fact that they will start calling the Commanders commies for short. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, as long as Washington wins, uh, or I think the only way Washington doesn't become a total joke in the NFL is if they go into next season healthy and they just dominate the NFC East. If they go in there and you know, win 10, 11, 12 games, no one will think anything of the name. But that being said, they actually have to to win games and if they don't you're going to be hearing fans at the game cheering for the commies let's go commies yeah and <laughs> oh commies it's rough and you know what washington's always had a pretty rough football team so i guess you know ties in with everything else that's going on on that franchise and what's going on on that in that franchise uh eh. let's go commies woo so it has been made official tom brady has announced on his instagram last tuesday that he is calling it a career this past season his 22nd season in the nfl will be his last Brady, he wrote this heartfelt message on his Instagram. He was thanking his family, his agent, teammates and coaches, the Bucks organization, the owners and GM. Uh, he was thanking the fans of Tampa. He's just talking about what a joy it was to play football for the past two decades plus and how happy he was playing the game and how much he loved it. It was quite nice, very well written. Uh, the one thing that did surprise me, though, was that there was no mention of the Pats or the New England Patriots organization. He didn't thank them for drafting him or acknowledging the owners or the coaches, teammates, whoever. I'm not too sure what that was all about. Maybe he thought that, you know, saying his goodbye to the Pats organization was enough when he left them to go play in Tampa Bay. But later on, the Patriots posted on their Instagram a message from Robert Kraft, the owner of the organization, and Tom shared that on his story and thanked Patriots organization. And rightfully so, they drafted him in the sixth round with the 199th pick in the 2000 NFL draft. And no mention of that whatsoever. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Tom has been argued as the greatest quarterback of all time the greatest NFL player of all time. Hell, he's even been argued as the greatest athlete of all time. And frankly, the numbers don't lie. He's first in all major quarterback categories. He leads. He's first all time in completions with 7,263. First in passing yards with 84,520 and passing touchdowns with 624. He's also ranked first in wins. Pro Bowls, Super Bowl MVPs, starts. He has the most three touchdown games, four touchdown games, and that's just in the regular season. In the postseason, he leads in appearances by season. He is 
missed three postseasons in his entire career. He has started 47 games, which is most all time. He has the most wins in playoff history. He has appeared in the Super Bowl more than anybody. He has won the Super Bowl more than any NFL franchise with seven. He has the most completions, passing yards, passing touchdowns, game-winning drives, and fourth-quarter comebacks. (sighs) That was a lot. He is incredible, and he is so deserving of that GOAT status, Uh, just like Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Brady is a generational talent, and it was an honor to watch him and to watch him play uh, it was just incredible. I've never known NFL without Tom Brady, and I'm curious to see what that will be like. I'm also curious to see what will happen with the Bucks organization and what they will do with their QB situation. Um, I'm excited to see what happens next year, but Tom clearly decided that it was time for him to call it quits and be a family man and spend time with his kids and uh i really hope that you know he has the best of retirements and he enjoys it and there is bad blood in the nfl former head coach of the miami dolphins brian flores he is suing the league as well as the dolphins new york giants and denver broncos organizations for allegedly showing discrimination in the hiring process Uh, and only interviewed Flores because of what is the Rooney Rule, which claims that teams have to interview minority candidates for open positions. Flores is also alleging that the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, was offering him him a $100,000 incentive for every loss that the Miami Dolphins had in the 2019 season with the intent on tanking and getting a good draft pick. But before suing the league, Flores was interviewing for the head coaching position uh, for the New York Giants. And days before his interview, he received a text from Bill Belichick, the head coach of the New England Patriots. And Bill was just congratulating him on getting the head coaching job for the Giants. Turned out, Belichick was texting the wrong person. He meant to text Brian Dable instead of Brian Flores, who was also interviewing for the position and was hired before Flores even got the opportunity to interview. And I know what you're thinking. This is a lot to take in, but needless to say, things aren't looking good for the NFL. But not only for the NFL, for Brian Flores as well. He was fired by the Dolphins at the end of the season. And after all these allegations and lawsuits, it's going to be even harder for him to get a job in the league. He released a statement on social media and he wrote, God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals. In making the decision to file a class action complaint, I understand that I may be risking coaching the game I love and has done so much for my family and me, my family and I. My sincere hope is that I, by standing up against systematic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. 
obviously there's been a huge thing about racism in the NFL. Uh, Colin Kaepernick has been one name that comes to mind. He was the one that started the whole take a knee during the national anthem that ended up having him kicked out of the league and hasn't played since. And yeah, clearly this is a big thing in the NFL and in the entire world and there needs to be change. So I will keep you guys updated on what is going on with this lawsuit of the NFL as well as teams within the league, what it means for Flores and what the outcome is in this whole situation. So keep posted. I will be talking about it in episodes to come. Now on to hockey. All-Star Weekend is now over, and for the third time in six years, the Metropolitan Division has won the tournament. They defeated the Central Division 5-3 in the finals and the Pacific Division 6-4 in the first round. As for the Central Division, they defeated the Atlantic 8-5 to advance to the finals. Claude Giroux, captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, he won the All-Star Game MVP. He scored three goals and an assist between the two games. There's been plenty of speculation that Giroux would be moved, potentially, at the trade deadline. They asked him about it during interviews throughout the All-Star weekend. Uh, In one interview, he said, I'm just going to enjoy it. There's a lot of things to figure out, but that's for another day. He's second all-time in points in franchise history. And through the halfway mark of this season, he has 15 goals and 20 assists in 42 games. And while we're on the topic of All-Star games, the NBA released their All-Star reserves this week. Few players that made it that everybody was expecting. Few players that shocked a few people. There are a few players that weren't recognized at all that probably should have been in there. For the West, they have Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, CP3, Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, Draymond Green, excuse me, and Draymond Green. For the East, they had Darius Garland, Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, your boy Fred Van Vliet, and James Harden. You know, everybody that I see on this list is clearly deserving of an all-star appearance. I mean, Draymond Green is pretty questionable to begin with, but he's injured anyways, so he might not even play. There might be somebody to come in and replace him. Darius Garland, love to see it. He has been fantastic this year. He's the first Cav to be selected into the all-star game since LeBron in 2018. He's averaging... 19.8 points a game, 3.3 rebounds per game, and 8.2 assists per game. Uh, Another guy I love to see in there, Fred Van Vliet. Obviously, the Raptors, big Toronto Raptor fan myself. He's the fourth undrafted player to be named to an all-star game. The other three guys were Ben Wallace, Brad Miller, and Knicks legend John Starks. Seeing this list, like, yeah... Like I said, everybody seems to be clearly deserving of it. Love to see that CP3 is getting in there. 12th career All-Star game. Leads the league in assists. He's averaging like 14 point, almost 15 points a game. And 10 assists per game. Cat, uh, he's really well deserving of it. Like I said, Draymond Green, I don't really know. 
there's a few guys that I'd love to have seen in it. DeJounte Murray is definitely on the top of that list. He has been insane for the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, their record doesn't really show it, but he's averaging 19.6 points a game, 8.5 rebounds per game, 9 assists per game, and leads the league with 2 steals per game. Andrew Wiggins was a starter, and he's not even averaging numbers close to that. He shouldn't be an all-star, never mind a starter. He's only averaging 18 points a game, not even 5 rebounds, and 2 assists per game. Not to mention he's only shooting 67% from the line. Half his numbers were better last season, and he wasn't even close to an all-star. I'd rather have pretty much everybody on this list already and some over Andrew Wiggins as a starter, never mind an all-star. DeJounte Murray definitely should be in there. Uh, another guy uh, is LaMelo Ball. He didn't make it. He's going to be participating in the Rising Stars game. He's averaging 19, almost 20 points a game, 7.2 rebounds a game, and 7.7 assists. Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. He's been insane. Obviously, his boy Jason Tatum was able to make it in. Brown is averaging 24 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, and 3 assists. Just Andrew Wiggins making it as a starter. It just goes to show how absurd the voting system is for the NBA All-Star Game. Like, the fans are the ones voting for the starters. Meanwhile, these people are voting for players that aren't even worthy of it it's just no because i'm like i've followed Dejounte murray for a very long time and no disrespect to andrew wiggins have a lot of love for the guy i've personally met him and he is a very nice person um i have no hate against him i i'm glad to see him succeed and you know get the all-star i'm just i don't know if he's the one that deserves it per se you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. from Memphis, he's another guy that probably should have got in. He's averaging 16 points a game, five assists, two almost almost two and a half blocks a game. It's, yeah, I don't know. But the NBA player draft is going to be held on February 10th. Team LeBron, Team KD are the captains. And then the All-Star weekend begins February 18th to February 20th. In other news, the NBA trade deadline, it's about four days away, and um, there's a lot of conversation around the league and through the media, speculations and possibilities, the the what-ifs, you could call them, or the, the what-maybes. Uh, James Harden of the Brooklyn Nets and Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers are two of those guys that you could put in that category of the what maybes. They've been in multiple trade conversations for the past two seasons, I guess. Harden, he's a 10-time All-Star. He was acquired by Brooklyn from Houston last season. He's averaging his lowest field goal percentage since his rookie season, and he's averaging a career low in three-point percentage. As for Ben Simmons, he's... He <laughs> he hasn't played a single game for the 76ers this year. He's just he no longer wants to play for that organization and just refuses to. 
partially because of how cruel the Philadelphia faithful can be with regards to athletes. Like, they just let him have it after the playoffs last year when he coughed up the chance for the win against the Atlanta Hawks. And since then, he just, no, I'm not going to play for you guys. Screw the Philadelphia 76ers. I want to trade. And since then, they've just tried to trade him. They've they've sued him for not participating. Yeah, like He loses money every time he misses a game, but he's like, I don't care. I don't care. Get me out. I'll make millions of somewhere else. I don't care if I'm broke now. So that's basically what's been going on over there. Uh, Philadelphia has been looking to trade, but no team is, nobody's willing to pay what they want for Ben Simmons. They're like, Oh, Ben Simmons. Oh, like God sent beast of a point guard. And they're like, I want everything you have. That's valuable in exchange for him. And nobody, everybody's like, you're no, that's not happening. And so far, Nothing's happened, but there's been speculation that Brooklyn and Philadelphia can exchange guards. They would get Harden, Brooklyn would get Simmons, and all would be well. The Pacers are another team that have uh, expressed interest in moving their star bigs at the deadline, DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner. It looks like the Pacers are in that rebuild phase now. They're 19 and 34, and they're the second or third worst team in the East. Portland Trailblazers, they're another team that's uh, expressed desire to rebuild. Um, and by the looks of it, they are going to do that. Uh, they just traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington on Friday to the Los Angeles Clippers in exchange for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson and a future second round pick. I like the trade. I really do. If you're a Clippers fan, you like the trade. Clippers fans are thrilled about this because they basically got away with robbery on this deal. The Clippers, they bolstered their already solid defense when you know they have Kawhi and Paul George healthy. And then you add Norman Powell at Robert Covington to the mix. It's it's going to be an extremely solid defensive team uh and i really like it roko he's averaging a steal and a half per game and 1.3 blocks and powell he's averaging 18 points a steal and half a block a game meanwhile portland i don't know what they were thinking with this trade unless they are making more moves which i 100 percent see happening I just I don't know if it really made any sense. You got Bledsoe who's already joining or who's joining an already crowded backcourt that consists of Dame Lillard who mind you is injured for 2 months. Uh CJ McCollum and for and Anthony Simons. Meanwhile, Winslow, he hasn't really had much opportunity to play since leaving Miami and he's never really been able to produce much since. And then you got Keon Johnson in a future se- future second round pick. Like, I don't know. I don't understand what they were thinking with this deal. If I'm the Portland Trailblazers, but obviously they have many more moves that they'd like to make. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if 
CJ McCollum is traded, former All-Star. Uh, same thing with uh, Yusuf Nurkic. They'll, both of them might be on the move. Yeah, tough times ahead in Portland. With that being said, the NBA trade deadline is on February 10th. I'll be covering it in next week's episode. I'll talk about the blockbuster trades, what we think. Uh, and I'd love to get your guys' opinions as well. So the Australian Open concluded on Sunday. Rafael Nadal, he won his 21st singles title. He defeated Daniil Medvedev in comeback fashion. Rafa, he dropped the first two sets of the match, 6-2, 7-6. But he was able to pull through, come back, win the final three sets of the match, 6-4, 6-4, 7-5. Rafa, he now has the all-time record for most titles in a Grand Slam singles tournament. This was his second time winning the Australian Open. He's also won Wimbledon twice, the U.S. Open four times, and the French Open a record 13 times. On the women's side, Ashley Barty, she defeated Danielle Collins in straight sets, 6-3-7-6. Barty's the number one ranked female tennis player in the world, and with a win-loss record of 198-73, it's not really a surprise. She's also won three major singles tournaments in the last four years. She won the French Open back in 2019, Wimbledon in 2021, and now the Australian Open this past week. Uh, Great, great week of tennis. Obviously, congrats to Rafa for getting his 21st title, but there's always going to be that what-if factor. I don't know if he would have won or if he deserved it, especially if Novak Djokovic was participating. And for those of you who don't know, there was this long, ongoing dispute between the Australian government and Djokovic as they didn't want him in the country and participating in the Open because he wasn't vaccinated for COVID-19. It was an, it was a long long process it took weeks to decide eventually it was deemed that Djokovic was not able to participate and he was deported from Australia and they revoked his travel visa and with that being said if Novak did play in the tournament it could have ended very different obviously Djokovic now has one less singles title than Nadal with 20 but if he had played in the tournament he probably could have been holding the record. You know, Djokovic is the number one ranked tennis player in the world, men's tennis player in the world. And head-to-head with Rafa, he's won 30 of their 58 matches. So, you know, who who knows what would have happened and who would have won that title if Djokovic was playing. No disrespect to Rafa. Obviously, he's a fantastic tennis player, ranked number five in the world. But, you know, there's always that what-if factor. It is now day three of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. The games began on Friday following the opening ceremony and the symbolic lighting of the cauldron. Uh, The opening ceremony was pretty nice. Their whole theme was built around this one world, one family concept. And it's based on an ancient Chinese saying that a truly wise person sees the whole world as a family quite nice they use the snowflake as this whole symbolic meaning of you know the world being as one they had the parade of nations athletes from 91 countries participating filled the beijing national stadium which fun fact is the only stadium to ever venue the opening ceremony for both the summer and winter olympics anyways 
Currently, Norway is first with two gold and three total medals. Sweden is in second with two gold. And the Russian Olympic Committee is third with one gold and four total medals. Obviously, we remember that whole doping scheme that Russia was involved in back in 2019. Uh, that got them banned from global participation for the next four year for four years following that incident. So they'll be back for the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris. Anyways, Canada, they're currently ranked 10th with two total medals, one silver, one bronze. Isabel Weidman, she had a third place finish in the women's 3000 meter speed skating event. And Mikhail Kingsbury finished second in men's moguls on Saturday, making him the first ever male mogul skier to reach the podium at three consecutive Olympics. He finished first in the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics, as well as second in the 2014 Olympics held in Sochi. That is all for this week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Once again, I am your host, David Pastor. This is Off the Bench. I look to talk to you guys next week. See you soon.